Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFU Refugees Podcast. Ted here, John here, here taking you through all the soccer, all the soccer, all the time. DC United's not playing, and somehow we still have a whole lot of soccer to talk about. That's the beauty of this game. I'm my friends. I think that is. Uh, John, how you doing, my friend? How you been? I'm good. I am, I think, finally rehydrated from Sunday uh, at Audi Field, where it was, I believe the temperature was 137 degrees. I'm not positive. It was close to that. Uh, but, and, and you know, I think I said after the game that my eyes felt like raisins from looking at the sun for <laughs> for two hours. I didn't realize it until I got home, and then I was looking at my computer. I was like, I, this hurts. This is painful. Why? Why is this painful? <laughs> That's why. why is it why why does it hurt why does it hurt so much yeah uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of things happen and then things happened right as we were about ready to go live some some stories that will we'll definitely get into some interesting things talking uh, talking soccer uh, all the time uh, uh, here on the show so uh, let's begin let's begin with the for the only local team that uh, played this week the Washington Spirit I think so did the, did London United play they do not they play tomorrow. They play tomorrow. Ooh, okay. Charleston Battery. Boom. Um, but yeah, Washington Spirit, uh, 1-1 draw with the Orlando Pride. Almost a carbon copy of their last appearance on the road. Uh, Ashley Hatch scoring in the 64th minute. Uh, and then uh, Taylor uh, Kornlick. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Korniak, sorry. I thought that was an L. Korniak, thank you. Uh, Taylor Korniak uh, scoring in the 67th minute. Uh, so the Spirit could not maybe take advantage of a situation where that would see them maybe uh, ascend up the table a little bit. Uh, so Orlando applied, remain on top of the table. Uh, the Spirit do not move into a tie for first place. Uh, John, you were at the game. Talk a little bit about it, man. Hope the actual home opener, even yes. though it'll, it'll still say uh, we, we talk about that. But uh, the actual home opener of the game. John, what, what, what were your... What were your thoughts on on the festivities? Yeah, at overall, Audi Field? yeah, lots to say. Overall, one interesting fact for people: uh, Taylor Corniak is the exact same height as Daryl DK. So, hmm. as far as as far as if you think like how there's a reason that she looks so incredibly tall on the field because she is one of two players over six feet tall in the league, uh, and it, she she is basically that if you we were saying in the box that if you don't kick it to her on corner kicks. Uh, you should immediately get fired because it, it's it's just it's like the cheat code. It should be happening. She's also very good uh, on on top of everything else. I think that was sort of uh, that was sort of driven home. To, I think in the media ahead of time, like she's also good her, with her feet. She's a very talented player. She's tall. Yes, obviously that's the easy analysis, but uh, that's me making the easy analysis. So uh, spirit home and Audi Field. It was great to have fans there. I think the I think the attendance count was around six thousand. Um, it felt like more. Uh- but also for, it was a for, million degrees. So for 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 a two o'clock on a Saturday, uh, I think that's uh, that that's pretty good. I, I I would I would hedge to bet. I would hedge to bet. Uh, someone's coming in here five thousand one hundred ninety nine. So you were you were somewhat close there, John, but maybe a little bit off. Plus me in the, the press attendance. box five five fifty two hundred. We'll just call it <laughs> an even an even number. I guess that's paying attendance. So that's not me. Um, and Jason Jason Anderson was there as well. So we're we're above that. Line yeah, we're, we're well, so. yeah. That, we don't want to count them all. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a really it was an interesting game uh, from uh, from a totality. I think the first half uh, was was interesting because the spirit were dominant from a possession perspective, from a chance perspective. I think the XG we looked at it uh, overall was a one point three to one point two one point two to what one point two to point four. Yeah, is what I saw. So that is, I mean, that's that's really indicative. I love when XG matches the eye test because that's that's basically what it was. I would have even said maybe over 1.4. Uh, but uh, there were the interesting part about the game 
from a tactical perspective, uh, in the first 30 or 40 minutes of the game, the pride uh, shut down the middle of the field. Ashley Sanchez touched the ball three times. They were really driving hard on the right-hand side. Trinity Rodman uh, was 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 basically playing the facilitator Sanchez role uh, on the right wing because that's that's where they kept going, uh, running up and down. Uh, the uh, The opportunities were uh, they were they weren't you know because of that because they weren't able to drive the middle of the field. They weren't. I, I think that the shots that they did put on goal in the first half were not great. There was a save. Uh, Julia Rotter hit the crossbar in the seventh minute. Uh, they should have scored. Uh, Ashley Hatch should have scored in the first two minutes. Um, wide open, pushed the ball to the, to the right. And I'm trying to think what minute it was uh, when, yeah, Sanchez, uh, San- Ashley Sanchez on a set piece uh, to Emily Sonnet with a great header, but Ashley Harris uh, dove and save it, saved it. Uh, and that was really yeah. the, and that was, that was, those are the real, I think, gold star chances. They outshot the pride 12 to two in the first half. So, um, not on goal, but total shots. Yeah, and you're talking uh, Ashley. Ashley Har- Ashlyn Harris uh, stood on her head this entire game. Again. She made another save, I think, on um, on Dorian Bailey. I want to say a really nice long range shot um, that was that was pawed away. Uh, so a, a lot, a, a lot, a lot in that game that sort of she kept. I think she kept the the pride alive. Uh, otherwise, I think the spirit would have had would have had a night. Um, they did get a goal, uh, an excellent, excellent ball. Um, from Kelly O'Hara right to the head of Ashley Hatch. Ashley Hatch now uh, starting to – where is she in the Golden Boot race? Is she Two. leading? Second is place. She... She's alone second in second place with three goals behind Alex Morgan with four. Alex, we were Morgan, talking a little... Alex Morgan going to be missing some time here. So Alec, so Ashley yeah. Hatch should have an opportunity to uh, to make up some ground. Yep, the Olympics and everything. And I think uh, I think that's maybe where we look to the spirit. I, I know I think there, there maybe will be some players that will be missing – um, yes. from the uh, from the spirit, um, a couple from them maybe on Japan's roster. Obviously, Kelly O'Hara, uh, Emily Sonnet will probably be missing as well. But uh, I think this might be an excellent opportunity for the spirit to utilize the Olympic break as as a, as a method to uh, to rise up the standings. I think they're setting themselves up pretty well, pretty well in that regard. Uh, but yes, Ashley Hatch with the goal, she's scoring. It's good to see. Uh, we were talking a little bit on the pre-show. Uh, Richie Burke has talked a lot about signing a striker. Uh, I don't know how you do that when you have the second leading goal scorer uh, in the league and potentially a a uh, a candidate for the Golden Boot. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that shifts priorities at all. Yeah, it's a it's an uh, open you, question. I think, think it's an open question. You know, I had the chance to talk to Richie about it uh, and sort of setting him up to talk. You know, to to big up his striker who's who's, who's putting the ball in the net. Uh, and, and you know, he talked about her service that she's receiving, great balls uh, from both wings. Kelly O'Hara running up and down. Um, uh, so there's there, there's there's that going on, but also she's putting in the work ahead of time. She's not finishing all the chances she should. That's the problem. So mm-hmm. she's she is a she's a she's a volume a volume chance player. Like she's getting you know five chances a night and is converting one of them. You you know you're fine with a goal game <laughs> or point. I think point eight <laughs> uh, point eight is the number now. Uh, but you know. Uh, that's the, it's an open question. Uh, do you do you seek to strengthen a strength in the in the in the market? Obviously, I think the challenge here is the money that they're talking about. The Spirit have likely already identified a player. They've likely mm-hmm. already there are they're already probably down the road with them about acquisition. So I don't I don't necessarily think that there's anything that Ashley Hedge can do that can change that perspective. Unless like honestly, unless she starts you know scoring two goals a game. And then you're like, well, where else can we be stronger? I think the wings, <laughs> I think the, I think the wing, I think the wings and attack, you know, Trinity Rodman, 
I think she's a good bet to have to fade over the season um, because this is the first time she's played this long at this level. Like Professional, that, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, think about MLS. You always know that you have a rookie wall in the summer. Uh, any player coming out of co- coming out of college, even with a short season, uh, those players find it difficult to make it through a full season. But she's not even coming from college. She's coming out of high school and in youth national. Uh, she didn't even get to play uh, in college. So there she is right now. I know Richie called her uh, an athletic freak. Uh, she, they, there was a there was a question about having to manage her minutes. He was like, no. I mean, <laughs> yes and no. Like the numbers on her say that she's fine and she's continuing to to push through. But I think you know the season is long. The season, the summer is hot. Uh, I think that there's I think there's a chance to uh, make some improvements there on the wings, uh, particularly because the players, you know, Mickey Own, another young player coming right out of college, doesn't really seem like she has her feet entirely wet uh, so far in her in her two starts. Uh, and then the, the depth behind that, I, I would not say is extremely strong. I think that the Spirit are lucky to not lose Ashley Hatch for any international duty this summer, because if they did, they would, I think, the, the thin it would be thin quickly, and the players sort of on the lower end of the depth chart are not ready for prime time. Yeah, I, th- I think the uh, I think the Spirit will benefit a little bit by the fact that they're uh, the U.S. national team is just so deep. Otherwise, I think we'd be started talking about maybe Ashley Hatch. Uh, maybe Ashley Sanchez, uh, certainly, you know, maybe even Trinity Robin making making an appearance. But I think because of the depth, uh, because of the limited roster too in the Olympics, it's 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 a very limited roster that you can take with you to the Olympics. When when um, we had full when, 20- when we had Ashley on the show, uh, we talked about sort of the challenges for her getting called in for selection, and they were basically like, "We need someone with international experience." And I was like, "She's like, but I can't get that unless you choose me." It's very much like first job need experience. <laughs> So I was like, she's, she said, all you know, all I could do is score goals uh, and, and, you know, do what they tell me to do. So great start for her so far. I, I'm happy that I don't imagine that she's in the in the frame to be lost here. I think she didn't make the preliminary roster. I think Andy, um, Kelly and uh, Emily are the only people on the preliminary. So. And, and, you know, and, and also, I mean, bringing another striker doesn't mean that she sees the bench. Maybe we have that fade. Maybe she shifts more out wide. Uh, in the field, maybe more as a winger type position. Maybe she plays more back as sort of a, a reserved forward. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't think necessarily bringing in a new player means that she, that basically that that person's going to take her, take her job. Um, right. So I, I think, I think there's a lot to be said there. Um, I, I did want to make a question. I thought Ashley Sanchez uh, again another strong game. Maybe not so much in the first half, uh, but I thought she looked really good in the second half. Uh, obviously had the free kick. Uh, I think moving her back into that position. Uh, once she gets settled, once the team sort of starts to try to figure each other out, um, I think we really have something here. She she's looked excellent. Um, I feel in that role, very comfortable in that role. Uh, and Richie Burke appears very comfortable giving her the the keys to the the keys to the castle, so to speak. Yeah, Richie said they put her in a nine and a half role uh, in the second half mm-hmm. and enable her to get closer to goal. I think it was a matter too of making sure that she was connected to the play. Um, mm-hmm. The spirit were getting a little bit. Uh, expansive i think is the way you would describe it because there's so much wing play and it was sort of leaving her out like she was sort of just she was a pylon for much of the first half some of that by design most of that by design of the orlando defense but uh granted second half yeah she was better i uh you know uh, i think in her other appearances previous she had much more of an impact to the game throughout the whole time uh or at least like on on the on the end like you you would say that she was at at uh, not at fault, but behind a lot of the offensive chances was not her was not her best game. She's the problem is that she's so capable and she's so 
um, her her upside is so high that I have a very <laughs> I have a very tough rubric on on her games. Um, Kelly O'Hara was fantastic. Um, so was Emily Sonnet. So that I think also sort of I looked at those two players in the Challenge Cup, getting to watch them. Uh, I think I think yeah, Kelly played one game in the Challenge Cup. I think Emily played two. Uh, that was Kelly's best game. I think mm-hmm. from a from a total from a total game perspective, uh, she was obviously you know, the assist. Yeah, and and I and I you know I asked her after the game, or someone I don't remember if it was me or not, but someone was talking like she was very charged up about having fans there. Like that was like she said that honestly that did make a that did make a difference for us um, having actual home fans there having having loudness. She got really pumped after the assist. Uh, she was again beaten up. That that poor woman is a uh, candidate for. Like most needing a ice bath, like I always say. I don't know if we have to have a hustling or non, but like a somebody with an ice pack or something. I don't know because it seems like that's always a player. They they had two yellow cards, I think, um, in the game. Uh, she got a split lip uh, after a collision with Marta. Was not very happy about that. <laughs> you could you could tell after the fact, like, uh, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> My face hurts. <laughs> I did this did not need to happen. Um, but you know, on the whole, uh, decent performance. They're I still they still feel like they're a work in progress. I still feel like they're not yeah. in, they're not in their final form and they're still getting points. If they had won, they would have tied for first with Orlando. But I think Orlando is going to be much more hurt by the international break than the Spirit. I think that yeah, and, the Spirit and, have the Spirit have better defensive cover than Orlando have offensive cover. I mean, w- with a team like uh, a team like Yosinda the Rue, Alex Morgan, you basically I mean. It, it, Unfortunately, it fall, the 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 goal they gave up falls falls a little bit, um, if not uh, on uh, on Aubrey Bledsoe, who makes a Fully. an attempt to try to get the play moving, and uh, yeah, she makes a, a mistake, and uh, the pride take advantage of it, take full advantage of it. Um, but the fact that you were able to just very much limit those two teams, I think, is is a very very strong showing. Um, you played up against the top team in the league, and and literally had them had them on the ropes. Uh, you couldn't finish the job, but that's. That you know what that that's a team that that that's I think what we signed up for for this year. That's what we expected to see is a team that's still trying to figure out, still trying to to figure it out. And I think the posi- position they're there they they're in right now is very very exciting because once they do figure it out, uh, then you know then you're you're really going to see something special. I think with this team. Um, so um, other other players of note. Uh, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add for the game. I did want to talk a little bit a little bit about about some of the post game stuff we got. Um, I think that that's important to talk about. Yeah, so. um, I'm trying to think if there's any other major performances. Emily Sonnet was fantastic. Uh, number of shutdown opportunities. She was actually good on the ball on the offensive side. Jim was scored. Uh, just just really a, a full total performance, sort of getting an idea of what she can bring uh, to the spirit. Uh, you know, as her as her pedigree uh, suggests. Uh, not a lot of changes off the. There were no real. Uh, Jordan DiBiase had a, had a decent turn off the bench. She had a, she had about thirty minutes, uh, but on on the whole, I think that in the last fifteen or twenty minutes, both teams were kind of uh, flattened by the sun. They were still making an effort, but like the sharpness wasn't there, and, and they just really weren't able to 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 you know connect. And and just, I wanted to return one more thing about sort of the I don't I don't see the pride being one one or two at the end of the season. I think that the, I I want to say that this this early season is deceiving a little bit. I think they're firing on offense better than they will later, and I think defensively, I think they can. I think they can be figured out. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, 
maybe we're trying to maybe we're trying to make all Orlando fans mad on this podcast, both the uh, <laughs> Orlando City and and Pride. But I I I do think that when it's all said and done, some of the teams that are lowering the table will be uh, will be higher. I think, and I think, with, but I think the spirit are about where they're going to be. I see the spirit as a two, three, four. Um, and, and yeah, uh, when everything's said and done, so I think you know, considering the fact that uh, that's in the playoffs. I think I think you can be happy with that. I think that there's no no there's no team that the Spirit cannot heads up play against and, and beat. There's no there's no unstoppable force so far. Uh, Portland may be the closest to that, scoring at will. Uh, but other than that, I think most teams can most you know North Carolina has been beaten I think twice. Um, mm-hmm. Anything can happen. So yeah, let's let's talk about the post game. Let's talk about the post game. And the first thing that comes up is um, I think it's worth mentioning Andy Sullivan's comments uh, when, when asked about uh, kneeling during the national anthem. I thought she gave uh, probably one of the best responses um, I, I've seen from a player. Uh, you know, she and, and I think I think everyone we've seen a lot of players uh, who you know still stand for the national anthem uh, and they talk about you know why they do it and they say oh it's you know very personal to me and and Andy Andy says as much she says oh it's you know it's it is something that's personal to me too but uh there there are more important things than me right now is basically what that what that boiled down to and uh, regardless of what i think you know i stand with my with my POC teammates and and they uh, this is their way to protest, and I want to be, you know, uh, I'm going to let them lead me. I'm going to let them guide me in the in this way. And I thought uh, that was a really, really poignant statement. And I think it's worth it's worth commending. It's worth it's worth mentioning um, because I think, uh, I, you know, I'm not calling anyone who stands up, I guess, to the anthem selfish, but I am saying you maybe consider uh, maybe it's not about you. Uh, this is about this is about your teammates. This is about. Uh, the what we see in our society right now, and this is, and, and by standing, you are sending the message that how you feel matters more than how they feel, regardless if that's your intention or not. And I think that is that is something that, um, that is something that I think every one of those players should take heart, and they should read that statement. Uh, it was a, it was a wonderful statement from Andy Sullivan, very very poignant. Yeah, I, I think I would be more inclined to to cheer Andy than than than. Than anything else, I think that's I think that's the more constructive of the two things. I I think they should I think people should read it. I think regardless of where they whether they agree mm-hmm. or disagree, I think it's well. And I want to I wanted to read from part of it just to make sure that we don't um, sort of truncate it. Um, for me, growing up, the anthem was always a moment to be grateful and to come together no matter what is going on and no matter our differences. I have realized that that's not everyone's experience. Not everyone's experience is my experience, and not everyone has that feeling when they hear the anthem played. And so I kneel to remind myself not of my experience, but of others. I love this country, and I want everyone to feel how I felt when I was growing up. And I was blissfully ignorant of problems in our country, specifically police brutality. I kneel to remind myself to continue to make myself uncomfortable, because it does make me uncomfortable. To change what is going on in our country, I don't know if kneeling has that effect from my actions, but I am going to keep doing it, especially because just in conversations I've had with black players in the league, that is what they'd like me to do. Um, Yeah, I... I just, I just think that she, you know, she knew that question was coming. She's the only player on the spirit who's, who's still kneeling. And I think that she made it, she made it about the change that she wanted to make and the fact that she has analyzed it and made a decision to do it and not about anyone else. And I think that, I think that's really, I think that's the most constructive way. Like I think people, mm-hmm. when people are told what, what they're doing is wrong, usually 99.9% of people uh, that's the end. They, they close down. They don't want to hear that generally. 
So they just either you're wrong or they just don't want to hear it. And I think by t- focusing it inwards about her internal progression and her evolution on the fact, I think that's much more likely to make a change in someone who's hearing this for the first time or wants to consider a different way. So all in all, I think from the captain, just really uh, excellent leadership and very, very, a very considered answer. Uh, and it's it's laudable, I think, from no matter yeah. I think no matter what, no matter if you think it's no matter if you think kneeling doesn't do anything and it doesn't matter or if you think it's actually a really uh, interest or not interesting, but like a symbolic gesture to keep the attention on an issue that need to have their attention on either way. Uh, that answer, I think you have to you have to give it respect and you have to give it the you know the weight it deserves. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Great statement from her. I think he read some of the other statements. I think we just wanted to sort of uh, touch on that. But uh, uh, the spirit have next will have a week off, which I think maybe they might be a little bit happy about considering their their travels, and they play uh, the nineteenth against Chicago at eight p.m. That game will I think be on Twitch, is if I'm reading this correctly. They also uh, they they should also have all their players back from international duty so yep. that's that's the that's the hope all some of the players have said that they've already planned to go directly to chicago from from there so not a lot of training opportunity for them but they should be off uh, of their you know camp so they should be in, they should be in good health yep and uh, good to see and it certainly will be uh it's gonna be fun to watch fun to watch this game i think that's a game i would circle as maybe a game this team can really uh really start to put it together um chicago can yeah, score. That, they're they're gonna be a good they're a good opponent it's a good test um yeah I, I'm, I'd be interested to see how it goes. Uh, I don't know if uh, Sayori Takarada will be back. I think she will be. Um, but otherwise, they should have a full-strength roster. And I think uh, Paige Nielsen, a friend of the show, should be available, I think, for selection. I think she plans to be. So, <laughs> fingers crossed. She, she, sorry, she, you got to come on twice to be a friend. A okay, well, so you be Paige, come back. <laughs> Just kidding. She's she's obviously a friend of the show. Anyone who comes on and, and is an awesome guest uh, is, is obviously honorary. Honorary until they get official. That's she's <laughs> until a, they're official. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, I guess uh, should we check in a little bit on on DC or or should we jump to let's let's, jump stay, to, let's stay with the let's stay with the the women's soccer affected uh, information. Yeah, because this just this just dropped. I think this kind of this kind of threw a wrench in our in our in our plans. Uh, the athletic. Uh, dropping uh, obviously the the story just dropped so we won't touch on uh, the the details but I think everybody's kind of talking about it. Uh, USL to launch a lower division women's league in 2022, uh, and the first part of the title comes out and says Washington D.C. and I saw that and I was like, wait what? It kind of was was a little bit confusing uh, reading the article. D.C. United apparently are interested in are are going to be one of the inaugural clubs, um, uh, going to be one of the inaugural clubs for. Uh, for for this new USL league, uh, they're probably going to play games at both Audi and Segra Field, uh, which raises some interesting questions uh, considering their relationship with the Washington Spirit. The fact that the Washington Spirit are uh, right now the 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 only game in town. John, what do we what do we make of this? Um, I, I think I think there's some there's some there's some timing that's interesting here. I guess um, regardless if they wanted to announce it or not, uh, we all know about the the. Um, the incidents that's been going on in uh, in Segra Field, we've been hearing, you know, things. The, the NWSL is is not happy about what's going on right now um, at Segra Field. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's it's definitely too early to say anything definitive. I, this is, I will caveat, this is all uh, speculation based on nothing, based on what, based based on reading the news and being being fully engaged. But I would not be surprised if. 
the recent rockiness of the relationship between DC United and the Washington Spirit could have something to do with this. The article states that sources close to the team, not necessarily DC United, but to this to this project, say that uh, it's a it's a good thing for all involved. Uh, and you know, the more soccer available, the better uh, for women's soccer. I don't know that I believe that on spec. I don't know that that's true. I think that there's an issue here with the amount of teams that can be supported. It depends. Now, are we talking, if this lower league is targeting a thousand fans a game and, you know, like not Saturday and Sunday, like midweek or trying to figure out a way to jam it into an already really congested local DC soccer schedule. Okay. But if it's going up head to head on the weekends, if it's working the same schedule, you have an issue with, how you're going to fit all these teams in Audi Field and in Segra. The Spirit would love to play at Audi Field more often. It makes them more money. Uh, it's a bigger crowd. It's a, not turf. It's in D.C. It's in their major market. They would prefer that. To have another team uh, that is has aspirations much lower, will have talent much lower, but will be affiliated and owned by the team that owns the stadium that will create problems with scheduling. That will create problems with marketing. That will create problems uh, with just general attention in the in the area uh, for women's soccer. There were you know fifty one ninety nine there. I'd like to see. I want to see what they draw. You know, at later on in the season when you know everyone who wants to be vaccinated is definitely vaccinated, and the weather is not surface of the sun hot. But I don't want fans drawn from the the potential spirit audience to go see these lower the, these lower level games like i get i get it lower level soccer is important it creates opportunity it gives these players who are not ready yet to play at the nwsl level an opportunity to grow but the nwsl is in such a growth phase still very early on in their you know they're not butterflies yet so it's a, <laughs> the to torture the analogy there they're in the pupil stage of development to be a, to be like the full capability of what they're going to be. And I don't want anything to get in its way. And this feels like a thing that can get in its way. What do you think, Ted? If I think it'll be right now, this is obviously it's interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm at the concerning point yet. Um, again, this will be a second division club. Uh, we've seen some of the lower, lower levels of, of NWSL. I think the pay's a little better now, but it, but for a while there, it's, it's basically like, uh, early 2000s MLS where guys were making, you know, 10000 you know, $15,000 a season, so to speak, to play. Uh, so some of those early days and, you know, basically there's a lot of how basically the teams are providing housing in a lot of cases uh, for some of these for some of these players. So, I mean, that's the top division. What is the second division going to look like? Yeah. Um, and uh, that I think that's that's the interesting part about this. I, I think if this if this allows basically where, you know, uh DC can say, okay, we have a we have a second division club now playing in Segra at Segra Field. That is that is that is a team that's going to be we, we can fill those dates. Spirit, you you can have Audi Field. I think that would be the best best case scenario for all. Yep. Um, and I think that would be the direction I would look at it is to try to not create it as an adversarial because if you think about it, I mean, even it, being adversarial with the top level team. I think is only going to hurt you, and I and I really think I mean you you're not going to see Kelly O'Hara, you're not going to see Emily Sonnet go play for a second division you know W League club at this point. No. Um. So uh, you know, I I think it's it's to your benefit to say 
you know, and also, you know, there's been a lot of discussion too, and maybe something we we haven't really talked about is uh, what's been happening with the, and I can't remember the 15 year old and the whole case and the discovery rights that Olivia Moultrie. Given to yes, it's a yes it's an interesting story. <laughs> yes, I, and I wonder if that maybe might force some changes in NWSL and how they handle development and maybe allow some development. Maybe there's a partnership that could be established, sort of a pipeline. Uh, for developing talent with the second division in NWSL. Um, it'll be, it's certainly going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I'm all for a, uh, a second division uh, coming in. Um, I am, I am, I am banging the drum. I want to see a, uh, a, a, a women's style open cup. I think that should be a step that should happen. Ted, uh, why don't we move this team to Richmond? <laughs> I, hey, I'm all for it. See, I'm all for it. That makes sense. You know, no one gets yeah. their toes stepped on. We didn't. We talked about this in the pre-show. A, a, a way for this to work for the spirit is that they're able to loan their younger players on developmental deals down mm-hmm. to this league to get games. That's the way. Yeah. That's the way this helps the spirit on the field. Um, it helps the spirit on uh, off the field. If, like you said, that this is this forces the team to say, let's stop pretending that the Loudon thing makes a lot of sense for the spirit it made more sense probably than boyd's uh but it doesn't make more sense than just doing it out of field so i think they yeah. make much more sense as a full-time co-tenant so we'll, we'll we will see uh like you said there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that this can go well i think there's also a lot of ways that this could be stupid <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I think the direction it goes, what happens to the spirit, where they're playing more often in twenty. If this is a case where we're seeing the second division club play mo- mostly at Audi and the spirit reserved a segra, that's bad. I will um, hate and that. I, and I think, <laughs> and, and and I think I yeah, I think we we've talked a lot about this. I think the, uh, I think that the Washington Spirit and in DC United especially need to look at this in. And having more games at Audi, selling out that stadium can only help you. Uh, it can only be a good advertisement. Um, the the game, the Washington Spirit game, I think was was better was better publicized uh, at Audi. The, the one of the last ones before COVID at 20, 20, 2019, I think, at Audi where they had twenty thousand fans at that game. Uh, they sold out. Uh, there was a lot of publicity, a lot of good publicity. Uh, so I think, I think they need to look at they need to look at that. Um, and, and this is a top level professional team. They should be playing at a top level stadium. Uh, and right now, Segura is clearly not based on what we said. It, maybe it gets better. Um, I understand they need they probably have a deal with Loudon to get events there. Uh, but this 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 has clearly been a a a not good situation. That's uh, what this team. That's what the team. The League Two team does. I think that solves their problem. Right? They they yeah. they, they have lacrosse there. They have rugby there. They have they have Loudon there, and there's even you know we didn't talk about this. There's even there's there's talk. Uh, MLS is making a reserve league, mm-hmm. a, a oh, lower yeah. division, <laughs> a lower division league to I, I I believe sort of like USL League One tier. Is that the it's yeah. like, it's, like, it's like a developmental league, and there's open question on how many MLS teams are going to continue to have a USL championship presence. I think that it will certainly take a hit. I think teams that do not take it super seriously. Loudon, Loudon, for whatever reason, despite the lack of sort of investment in the team, I think now they're getting better. They're spending a little bit more money on players, but they have made a defined commitment. They are staying in USL Championship for, I don't know if it's their agreement with the Loudon County. I don't know what, but they seem, DC United seems committed to it. But you got to imagine there's other teams that are licking their chops and saying, we can cut our expenses in this league, this team that no one goes see. <laughs> and we can also develop, we can provide more minutes for players that need development opportunities. So what are you, you know, as a lower league fan, Ted, what are, what were your thoughts on this when you heard about it? 
so when I heard about this, I'm like, the interesting part, I guess, was was that they were allowed. We all knew this was happening. We all knew this was on its that 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 the reserve league was coming back. Um, Orlando City B dropped out after last season, uh, with the idea that this was happening. Um, I, so here, the four clubs are. There are four teams right now um, that that are in uh, USL League One that are MLS. There's Inter Miami two or Fort Lauderdale, I think is is actually what it what they're called. Um, you have uh, New York New England Revolution two North Texas. And um, uh, Toronto FC too. Toronto's the interesting story. They're actually having to play all their games in in Arizona right now due to COVID. I, I'm not sure. There's always been talk about that team potentially going to the Canadian Premier League. So I'm going to remove them for the equation. So basically, three teams that you're looking at potentially losing. There are a lot of talks about USL being more independent. Um, I will tell you, you know, on the ground in Richmond, uh, there's a lot of fans uh, that are. I think on the USL fans, people, independent club fans like myself, um, who's, who are not necessarily happy. Uh, and I'm not sure I'm, I'm not one of those necessarily happy. I, I think actually the, if you knew the landscape of reserve soccer and MLS before they started doing USL, um, you, you, you would not be thinking the way you do on this. Um, but I, I, I think there are a lot of fans that don't, that see these, uh, these second teams as being kind of a waste. Uh, you know, they games at Richmond Kickers go play at Gillette Stadium in front of nobody, nobody. There's maybe one or two people there. I don't I don't even know who would even show up to that um, or who would even want to cover that. You know, North Texas, they've got at least a little bit of a better setup. They're actually playing, I think, at the old Rangers baseball stadium. Cool. Um, so. So, yeah, yeah, closer to Richmond. So they're they're an interesting an interesting bunch of they they were playing some of their games at at uh, the FC Dallas Stadium, but uh, so I think there there is an argument to be made um, that that it is a little bit of a, a little bit of a waste having them there, and this opens the door uh, to more independent clubs. Um, I think USL is kind of realizing um, a lot of the same uh, narratives and the, and the same ideas that MLS realized, which is. Uh, get yourself your own stadium where you can control revenue, you can control your facilities, uh, become a part of the community, and you can be successful. Um, and I think we're seeing we're seeing that benefit the kickers, the the crowds at the kickers games. Uh, every every year, I feel like they get despite the team, uh, you know, they get better and better. Uh, you you see a lot of fans out there. Um, I think they've actually moved like all things like beer sales in house. They still do some food trucks. Um, but I, I guess as a fan, you know, I'm excited to have more, I guess, if this leads to more independent clubs, uh, then frankly, you know, I, I think all for it, you know, Godspeed, uh, you know, USL two teams. Uh, thanks for the three points and uh, and be on your way. <laughs> thanks for all the games where we got three points out of them. So uh, big win for the kickers. Three, two. That was, was an incredibly fun game. Um, fun game to watch. So, uh so yeah, I mean that's I guess that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, I will say the 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 independent part of it is the interesting part because what happens when you know how does that maybe squeeze out uh, USL league, USL style clubs? What does that do for some championship clubs? I bet you'll see some championship clubs maybe drop down to this league. Uh, is there you know what is MLS is MLS going to be like? You have to be in this league at some point. You know I'm sure they'll make exceptions for some teams. Um, I don't know. It's it's good. This is going. The soccer landscape is going to be very, very interesting to watch. I think mm-hmm. over the next over the next few years, we've got now we got this USL, you know, W League starting up. Uh, the amount of investment is is crazy. I think this is this is an all time high we've seen for investment. Um, the so, pandemic didn't slow any of this down. That was one of my biggest fears was that the pandemic was going to slow down a lot of things. It does not appear to have. Speaking of so. investment, uh, DC United have a new owner, uh, Mark yes. Ingram. 
uh, now running running back for the Texans, I believe. Yes, formerly of the Ravens, formerly of the Saints before that. Uh, purchased a 1% stake uh, of the team, so small stake. But I think the interesting news here is that the valuation of the team based on that 1% <laughs> was, I believe, $710 million. $710 million. Which is a lot of money. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. 710 confirmed. Uh, so let's unpack this all. So Mark Ingram, so, so Mark Ingram is one of a few, one of a few new owners. We have two, two, I believe, two other new owners that will be announced here in the coming weeks. So, so let's be clear, John. Okay, if you buy a Pokemon card for two dollars and fifty cents, mm-hmm. and then in five years it is worth ten thousand dollars, five thousand, or seven hundred thousand dollars, seven hundred ten million dollars. <laughs> let's go ahead and say that. Maybe yes, you sell that card, but while you have that card in possession, do you have said seven hundred and ten million dollars? You're rich like Jeff Bezos at that point. You're you're an on paper billionaire. You're 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 extremely wealthy. So yes, I get what you're getting at. Let's let's draw the distinction between you know liquid, <laughs> first, first liquid of all, the, assets the, and net wealth, net like net worth. Those are different things. First of all, it, it, and if you, and if you listen, if you listen to um, allocation disorder and and you read, I think an athletic article. Uh, by Sam Stasekel and Paul Tenario, who are doing, I think, excellent work uh, sort of diving into uh, the sort of weird things. And this is a weird thing you see. You see these uh, – you, you see this all the time with um, with MLS clubs. You see these high, high valuations and you're like, but wait, they're not making any money or they're spending – like, how are they worth so much? It's, it's all future-based income. Um, a lot of it's based on the fact they don't have promotion relegation. That's why they – uh, there's risk involved when you take over a team like Newcastle because they could drop down. They could have a bad season and suddenly they're down and you're missing out on, on millions of dollars in valuation. Uh, you don't have that in MLS. You have a closed system. So you're buying that. You know, It's it's a lot of future valuation. It's a lot of tech stocks. Is, is it a little on the excessive side? Sure. Uh, but right now the league's been around for so long. I think maybe they've earned a little bit of benefit of the doubt um, in that regard. So. I, yeah, I, so I think that's, I think that's a bit overstatement by it, but I've, I've seen the argument about that these are like tech stocks. You pay you, if you're Mark Engram, you pay for what you believe it's worth or will be worth. You're not they don't they're not fully forecasting growth into 15, 10, 15 years from now. This that is a nearby proc that's a nearby proximate value of the team. Mark Engram wouldn't give one percent at seven hundred and ten million dollars if he didn't expect that in the very near term. The asset would actually be somewhat worth that. Where he'd want to sell, where he'd want to move out and sell his shares. The big question to me is: I don't think we know the answer to this. It's not. This is obviously very inside baseball. Did they create more shares to buy in Mark Ingram? So basically, did they did they expand the equity pool, uh, dilute their shares slightly, very very slightly at a one percent valuation to sell that? That means new money in. That means that's that's mm-hmm. pure that's pure profit from their perspective. They have they have liquid assets they didn't have before. Or uh, did he give some of the existing shares uh, from you know from the existing ownership group and then reallocate? That that's a big difference from what what the investment actually means for any additional investment. Because what I've always been talking about is that this team needs a capital call from any new investors. They need money in the door uh, to use as operating as operating uh, revenue and profit. Uh, and then allow sort of that, you know, provide equity to the new owner for that for that money, because all the dialogue is about how this team is cash strapped in the near term because of all of the, you know, the stadiums, the uh, facility that's going up in Loudon, but also now the ancillary development that's going around Audi Field. Uh, Bill Hamid shared a post 
on Instagram saying, there goes the parking. Uh, they're about to build every, every flat space near Audi Field is about to be, uh, <laughs> it's, about, it's about to be a building. There's not going to be any mm-hmm. flat spaces left in that. It's going to be glass and brick, and it's going to look like the rest of the Navy Yard. Um, so get, get ready for that. Um, the, the, the trick there is that the team has a financial stake in that development. They're going to get money out of the, that land being developed. That's going to be much more, that's going to make much more money for the owners than this team ever will from an operating, operating revenue perspective. Yeah. Um, we yeah. got a comment from Mark who I, who I, who knows, who knows his stuff, uh, said that Tohir left DC United $80 million richer than when he started. And it would have been easy for him to borrow against those unrealized capital gains and spend of the team, but he didn't. His choice. Yeah, Tohir was always going to do that. I think Tohir never was talking about being a steward or being invested in the future. It was about providing. He was basically like a co-signer on the loan. They they knew they had to have. They knew they knew they had to have a deep-pocketed dad uh, to get the money to to be good for the loan to be good for the loan to build the stadium. Um, so hopefully, you know, we don't. You know, Jason Levian. And the rest of the ownership group talks a lot more about, uh, you know, wanting to stay for the long term and being here for the city. But it's uh, this is this is a new evolution. Who knows? But this is a new stage in this team where they're sort of copying uh, other NBA players, other NFL players across MLS that are buying small stakes. It makes a lot of sense from their perspective. It is, like you said, zero risk investment. You know, for the most part, it's only going to go up. There's no big shock going da- going down, and in five years, six years, you sell your stake, you, you double your money, you triple your money. Great, you're not going to actually do any work or be in, uh, that. It's literally just you're lending them their name, your name, and giving them some amount of capital to then turn it into more money later. It's it, a great deal. I wish I could it, do it. It's it's literally it's literally like you you buy a, a stock in in a company and you watch that valuation grow. And you didn't have anything to do with it. It's basically what it is. Uh, and I, I don't think we're going to see Mark Ingram making. Maybe, maybe they might give him like some, you know, portion of a decision. Maybe he wants to do something. Uh, either way, it's 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 good publicity for this team. Um, I think to to do this type of thing. There was a lot of criticism the team got when uh, apparent when Kevin Durant was interested in in buying a share and. Uh, Pablo wrote an article and Philly was like, hey, we'll, we'll take your money. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll take your money. Sure. Come on. Let's talk. Um, so I, I think this is this is a good thing for this is a good thing for the team. And I'll be curious to see again, does this do we start to see more owners come in? Do we start to see more people come in? Because then you, you could start to say maybe this is a way for this team to sort of raise some capital uh, to fund projects, either the, the training facility development at Segra Field uh, and then maybe also on the field. Actual, you know, bona fide playing, paying salary, paying transfer fees and sort of building up that team. Um, The team has done some things that I think uh, have gotten some bad attention, but they are doing some good things uh, on the field. Yeah, seeing it. Scouting department. Scouting department's a great example. Hiring, making multiple hires in the scouting. You know, in the past, it was Kurt Morsink and YouTube and a phone. And that was the scouting department. (laughs) And that's not even a lie. And, and, and that, no, it, it, it was that in MLS Live subscription and whoever whoever was on the market from from your clubs at, at MLS, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. They would they would email they would email podcasts and be like, how do I get a tryout? Like it was uh, they still do that. That was not necessarily scouting, but it, it is it, they have spent money in some places. I think that is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be great if they had an increased capital base to fully staff the front office and Mar- and all of the departments to the levels that they were maybe in the past before the, before the pandemic. 
Um, there's always there's always more they could do uh, in addition I, to spending I, on the field. Yeah, and I will say I think maybe the pandemic force maybe is forcing them to to do some of these types of things. Um, I think the stadium. It looks like the stadium is going to be full capacity on on June nineteenth. Yep. I'm going to be there, um, but I think also this is maybe the pandemic has kind of forced them to to rethink about how they're going to do this. Um, well, all speculative. For, we're, we're, great. I was going to say great for Mark Ingram. I mean that is that is that is a uh, that is a that is a Tesla move. That is an Amazon move. Like <laughs> take advantage of this. <laughs> take advantage of the situation to enrich yourself. He's getting an opportunity to buy in the cheap. Maybe that's. That's good for him. I'm, I'm curious who the other two owners are going to be. Um, you know, I would give, I think I would give $500 to Jason Levian or anybody else in the team to let me, to give me like a three hour financial brief of everything. Like, get, I want to know the books. I want to understand <laughs> where every dollar is spent. I won't even tell anybody. It can be just, it'll be like, I'll sign an NDA just so I'll know. So it'll be my brain. I would, I would love yeah. it. I would. So and and Jason Loving will say, "We'll say, how about you buy a season ticket instead?" I'll do both. With that five Jason, <laughs> if you're listening. I would love. Get, I will sign an NDA. I want to know where the bodies are buried financially with this team, and then I can sleep at night a little bit better. Call me, tweet at me. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I guess we could, we could we could talk about some U.S. soccer splitting away from some as, as type of another thing as another type of interesting financial move talk. But we'll save that for allocation disorder. Yeah, I think they have uh, they have a bit they have a bit more a uh, bit more stake in that. Um, Let's uh let's shift gears. Let's talk about the craziness that was the the much lauded and historical the pageantry of the Concacaf Nations League final. Um, so I have been somebody. I've been somebody. Um, I, I there's a lot of criticism out there for the U.S. Men's National Team. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of PTSD. I think a lot of fans have gotten from from Trinidad. I think it has. Uh, the, the the negativity has kind of turned me off. There's, a, of course, a lot that's been going on in the country that kind of doesn't make me want to be uh, rah-rah USA uh, in a lot of ways. Go ahead, John. I was say, John, int- you, you- no, no, interesting. And just a, just a, just a, from that sentence, negativity from Trinidad, uh, who who have who are got knocked out of the World <laughs> Cup qualifying by Bermuda, the, the fourth yeah. worst team in the world held to 0-0. I just think it's funny. You know, we, we that's where we went out, and now a team uh, – that was just. I'm now paying slight attention to international soccer again. So you have to, you have to, you have to get, bring me along slowly as I find out things again about Concacaf. But go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, so so the the biggest thing, uh, the biggest thing, by the way, I think I don't know if that was Bermuda or if that was. I was trying to look just to make sure we got that. It was the it was the Bahamas actually. Oh, I'm Bahamas. sorry, Bermuda Bahamas. Bahamas. Come on, pretty Bahamas. <laughs> no, we got we got to make sure we get it right. We got to get it right, John. Um, but uh, so, you know, I think there's been there's sort of been a lot of PTSD. There's a lot of people upset about the way uh, Greg Berhalter was hired. I think that's playing into a lot of this. Uh, but, you know, the, the U.S. in 2020 and 2021 uh, for the players and the talent was, I think, a moment where I think a lot of fans got got their heads big. Um, we saw, you know, Weston McKinney going to Juventus. We obviously had Christian Pulisic going to Chelsea and not just going to these teams, but also getting like serious minutes, getting serious playing time and having a measure measured success. I think Christian Pulisic uh, had a had a so so season, but finished very strong. But he's still getting minutes. He's still in that conversation out there on the field. Um, of course, then you also have Junior Desk going to Barcelona. Um, I mean, if you it, it, like, I, I want you to like, I, I want to go like, like take go and like do a like lineup from like 2002 of like where everybody was playing and then do another lineup of like this 2021 team and who was starting. And I bet it would like blow your mind. The amount of, 
the amount of players that, that you see that you see now playing on like clubs you actually recognize. Um, so this was a game I think that was important uh, from a lot of it, it, it sort of sort of brought me sort of back into the team. Um, and I think it finally gave a gave a little bit a little bit more uh, a little bit more joy in the U.S. The U.S. of course winning three to two against Mexico in the Concacaf Nations League final, an absolutely insane bonkers, bonkers game. crazy game, <laughs> bonkers game. Uh, this was Concacaf at its finest, uh, at its most Concacafy, I guess is the best word. Uh, you had, I mean, you had two video reviews, loading two penalties in in extra time. You had. <laughs> Uh, you had at some point, you of course had objects being thrown on the field. You had it, it, this game literally, literally had. You had injured goalies. You had missed red cards. <laughs> you had, you had injured you had a goalies. Goal, you had a goal conceded in the first ninety seconds off of yeah. a of a ridiculous like brain dead mistake. Uh, just a man, like you said, uh, I I have not cared about this team one whit since Trinidad. I'm not at all. I have not cared whatsoever. I've missed almost every game. And I happened to decide that, all right, well, this is a quote-unquote cup final, whatever stupid thing Nations League is, whatever. We'll put that to the side. You're playing for a trophy. You're playing for a trophy. Uh, and it was phenomenal. The fight back was was <laughs> crazy good. The, the Ethan Horvath save or the penalty, by the way, you had to know. That they were going to call that penalty. There was no way they weren't. Yeah, you yeah, you, you, yeah. you could just feel it. It was it was faded, uh, but the the save I mean, you, was not you had faded. A, you had a questionable penalty. I, I would I would I would hedge to bet that I think the penalty call for the U.S. was a little bit more justified than the handling call. But yes, I agree with you. You knew that was happening. The ball it was enough away from his body. There was enough there, I think, to 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 make that call. Um, but, but ball don't lie. Crazy. But ball don't lie. <laughs> and Ethan Horvath has solidified himself. Even though it was in, a, you know, this is not a World Cup game. This is not a game. This is not a goal. It's not even a Gold Cup final. I think that that, that potentially did this, did this replace that? No, right? No, gold Cup no the, gold, gold, the, the Gold Cup still. The Gold Cup's this summer. The gold okay, Cup is this summer. So even all that aside, that in the, in the full consequence of what this game actually was, that this that was a memory that will probably stick itself. Ethan Horvath is going to be a name that people are going to say, "Oh, I think he should be first. Like just on the yeah. just on the back of that, his stock went up three thousand uh, percent. I loved how emotional he got. I know that he got that emotional early this year when he saved for his club team. I don't know if it was in the Champions League or if it was to win the league. It was something where he got to come in and he did he did a similar thing. Uh, I like I like. That emotion, he was super, super excited to have to been involved. The cell, by the way, I, I think I might get it printed. The picture after Pulisic scored <laughs> scored the penalty and, and took his shirt off in front of and all. Oh, I got yeah. If you haven't seen the picture yet, I don't know how that you haven't. If you've listened to the show, uh, I don't know if Brian's listening. Uh, if producer Brian is listening, and can bring this up on the live feed. But it is like a piece of art. It is so perfectly composed. The energy, the emotion, the fu vibe to the fans right in front of them as they're throwing, as they're pelting them with beer cans, uh, is just oh, it's 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 Renaissance art. And, and, and it's and it's uh, it's it's someone called people call it a cell phone because it's like literally he's doing that in his in the United States because uh, the Mexican national team is much more popular than the U.S. men's national team for good uh, reason. I think at this point, yeah, although that's for a very now, good reason to be fair, that's been the case even when the U S was much better than it is now. Although 
you got to look at that team. You got to look at that roster. You got to look at where these players are playing in Europe and think that this is a team as on the, a growth path. They still have some positions of weakness, but and, they're 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 definitely on the way up. And I'm glad you brought that up because there I, it is. I'm glad for this result. I, I was prepared. I was very prepared. Uh, by the way, we should bring up also, Brian, we had a don't forget the guy yeeting himself off the balcony behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not forget about that moment. Uh, just another <laughs> absolute, absolute bonkers uh, uh, the, the type beep, stuff happens the, the there. Beep, the beep, boop, boop, beep, uh, Clint Dempsey making fun of Oguchi and Yewu having a calculator in his office depot <laughs> folio. Oh. <laughs> Phenomenal. There was a lot. There was a lot. The CBS coverage, I thought, was. Uh, they, I think they 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 took it. They gave it the right amount of seriousness with the mixed with the uh, right amount of fun. I think was 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 interesting. I think Deuce being there, Deuce was like, "All right, you want to pay me? Fine. I'll, I'll I'm going to do whatever I want." Then that, that the, was bringing him back off his boat. The com- uh, yeah, the comparison there. is to the inside the NBA with with uh, Charles Barkley and Shaq. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a good comparison. And that you know, honestly. You want to look at soccer ratings, right? And the U.S., both in MOS and anything else, and they suck. And why do they suck? Because if you're not already super invested, there's no reason for you to watch. Casuals, there's a few teams that will really put on exciting brain of soccer anyway. But it's just a boring affair. Pre-game, why would you watch? Post-game, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. So why not bring this? Well, you have these, you have legends in the national team of players that people look back upon fondly. They tried it with Landon. Landon's that's not really his skill set. Uh, but these three players, uh, you know, Charlie's Deuce. a little more Deuce, Aguchinho, and Charlie Davies. Charlie Davies mm-hmm. obviously a much more exposure being part of the MLS. I think the the league, the league, uh, different you know, platforms. I think previously being an announcer for the Rebs. Uh, but the 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 chemistry is great. The tone is very good. I think some people were were a little bit upset with the sort of like nationalistic element to the broadcast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, for international soccer, I think you're going to get that. I think there's a way to do it. But I think that if that these most many of the players who have played for the for the national team feel that way, they, that's mm-hmm. that like, you do once you're once you're sort of into that space, like and you go and, and represent your country and, and you're maybe you go to the White House or maybe you like it just becomes that way. And it may not. And it, you have to like almost put that outside your politics. Once you're those, those players get an exemption, I think for having, having that's like uh hyper exposure to and, representing the country. It's, it's difficult. It's also, it's also, you know, I, I always preach fun when it comes to soccer. Anyway, John, you completely like distracted my point. I always, pre- I always preach fun with, with, with commentating. Um, but, but I think, I, I think I'm, I'm glad this game happened. I'm glad the U S got, got this result. Um, I think this sets up now. I think the – I'm not ready to say that Mexico uh, – Mexico's got a lot of talent. Uh, they've got coming in. They're still a, a really good team. They, they still made the Olympics rather easily, uh, qualified for that. Uh, we, we still struggled with that. Um, so there's still a lot of talent. But I think this is also – this was sort of a it, – it's going to be more competitive now. The, these games are going to be more competitive because uh, the, the Mexico has owned us for the better part probably since about uh, 2013. Um, someone actually pointed out the last time the U.S. had a competitive win against Mexico was 2013 in World Cup qualifying. Really? Um, so, yeah. So I, I think this is and I guess, you know, the most important thing I think that, you know, I don't think this is going to solve everything. People have rightly pointed out uh, you had a goal from a penalty and two goal, two other goals from a set piece. Uh, so not exactly building uh, building up. Okay. But I think the, the fight they showed, um, I think they still were able to, to generate some chances. Um, I, I think. What we saw out of this game is that this is this is 
this is just the beginning. This is not the the final product. And I think my a lot of my frustration with how people talked about the Honduras game and how people talked about coming to this game is that everybody's expecting like this to be like the final product. Everybody wants to see this team do everything right, do everything perfectly. And and that's a completely unrealistic expectation for a team with an average age of 24. Uh, yes, this is probably the most talent the U.S. national team has had ever. No doubt about it. But they are still a very young team. And they're still, you know, a lot of them, a lot of their talents are pretty, are pretty raw. The way you need to think about this is that we are going to have a lot of these players for two World Cup cycles, 2022, 2026, maybe even three World Cup cycles for some of them. Uh, for some of the higher ups there. That is what you need to think about this. You need to think about this as a start of an eight year journey, not the end of not the end of one. Um, and, and this a large part of this is because we decided to basically blow up our national team. Uh, they, they could have very easily gotten Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, uh, a lot of those names that are still playing top level professional soccer. Yes, they're not playing in Europe but they're still playing top-level professional soccer, had them out there, and I think you would have saw a more uh, composed performance. And you can disagree with me on that, and you can say that that Bradley and and, and um, Bradley and, and Altidore are washed up, but you would have saw a more composed performance. Now, I don't think that does you anything, and I think the direction they've gone is actually, uh, is actually a, a good one in saying, we're just, you know what, this was so bad, we need to start over. We need to bring in all these young players. Uh, but people need to be patient. Uh, this is not this is not going to be a perfect uh, specimen. Now, I, I do have concerns with what uh, Berhalter is trying to do. Oh, you mean um, the passing the ball out of the back at any cost? Uh, the passing the ball out of the back and forcing Zach Steffen into uncomfortable situations. Uh, he is trying. I, I, I see what he's trying to do. He is saying, I have a, a basically a blank canvas of a team with a lot of talent. Um, I don't have a sort of an established system that a lot of these guys are used to. Uh, this is an, a perfect opportunity for me to change the the narrative or change how the U.S. plays. Um, I'm not convinced that's going to work. Uh, this is there is a reason national teams you don't see a lot of complex tactics on national teams because simply you do not have the time nor the repetitions that you can do on a club team, uh, practicing week in and week out, running through drills, uh, and you also have to be within the talent. We'll see what happens. This is a huge test to see if if Greg Berhalter will do. And if it's really not working, will Greg Berhalter stick to his guns or will he actually modify the way he plays? Just, um, just I, don't, I, I don't create problems where there are none in the back. Yeah. The, if yeah. you were to look at the expected goal increase from uh, passing the ball to the midfield or intentionally hoof, sometimes hoofing it long versus this – you're creating high probability opportunities for Mexico 15 feet from your goal for no reasonable gain. It drove me insane last night as a guy yeah. who had not been watching a lot of Greg Berhalter coach games. And that to me just seems like a uh, high risk, low reward decision. And they've got they've got to knock that off. And also, too, you know, we talked about how the fact this wasn't a very composed game and the goals were scored the way they were scored uh, for me. And I think that maybe this boils down to the my my sophistication level around tactics. The thing that this team lost under previous coaches was they 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 looked at their identity and said that, that was actually a deficit. You were you were you were hurting yourself by being reliant too much on physical strength, on speed, on tenacity, and be and having that be your entire brand. And Jurgen Klinsmann said, We're gonna change all that. We're gonna become technical, we're gonna become 
you know, we're gonna we're gonna be Bar- we're gonna be Barcelona. We're gonna be we're gonna be blowing the doors off the place. We're gonna be every every neutral's favorite. I don't care about any of that. I would love <laughs> if if you just create for me a team that will fight in the way that this team fought in the second half. Great. I don't care. I, that I I can watch. Maybe that's very American of me. Maybe that's maybe that speaks to the low ceilings of expectations I have for this team overall. Uh, but for I, me, for me, that's what I that's what I want out of a national team. I want a team that will get there. I want a team that looks like they're going to get in a scrap every game because that's the way they're playing. They're getting their their defensive the 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 tactics or whatever. But they're getting stuck in. They feel that they 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 stand up for their teammates and they get they get in the mix. I, give me that. I want that. And, and and I think you you bring up an interesting point, and also you neglected to mention that Jurgen Klinsmann talked about a lot of those things, and then proceeded to do none of it. Well, yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. US I, I wanted to give you the opportunity national to dunk team. on Jurgen. This is this is about. <laughs> oh man, I you, you threw that layup right there. Mm-hmm. I, I could not just slam it through the hoop. Um, but I, I and I think that's that everybody everybody's you know Ryan Johnson says I'm still not convinced by Greg, but a lot of the fan base is too reactionary. Uh, my my response to a lot of people is. This is what you guys – you guys have – there are people out there that laud Jurgen Klinsmann. Oh, we should have never fired him. He was going to bring us to the promised land. He talked about all of these things and never followed through with it at all. Not once did you see this team actually follow through with anything he talked about in his press conferences about how he wanted to how – he, how he saw this team playing. You are seeing Greg do it. For better or worse, he is doing what you guys want. He is doing passing – out of the back, he is doing possession style, being on the front foot. These are all the things that you all talked about wanting out of the national team. This is what we should do. Well, he's doing it right now. Um, will it work? I'm not convinced. Um, I'm not convinced you can do that with a national team that isn't. Uh, it, it works for teams like Spain because you had six players from Barcelona and five players from Real Madrid. So you essentially had half the team playing for the same team. So, I mean, that can work. You have here, you have teams playing different roles and different ideas. I think you, you have to be play it differently with a national team. Um, and I think Greg should be given the chance. And also let's be clear. This team hasn't had a lot of opportunities to play with each other. And 2020 basically robbed them of, of, of really a whole year of development uh, with the co- with the pandemic and everything. And they played maybe a couple friendlies, uh, but but this was this Nations League was supposed to take place spring summer of last year. It got pushed to 2021. So uh, the Gold Cup is going to be an interesting thing. Uh, we might not win the Gold Cup. Um, I'm hopeful maybe this bought a little bit of rope w- with some fans, uh, and, and hopefully this team can can get through qualifying. I think qualifying for the World Cup, getting through all those things, will will go a long way to to finally putting uh, putting what happened in 2018 in the rearview mirror. This this did a lot, I think, though, to do that. I think I think Greg is in trouble from the perspective of if you look at this roster, the talent is evident, right? Like you look at where they're playing. Mm-hmm. If, if 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 Greg is coaching a team of ninety percent MLS dudes or like old jobbers, like if Michael Bradley was still your captain and starting every game, like you said, maybe more composed potentially because of his experience, but the ceiling is much lower because you know that he's on the the far far down end of his of the slope you're looking at a, you're looking at like just pure potential all over the place on all, on all parts of the field and you're looking at a coach with you know not not great credentials you're, i mean uh, success success the mls level but you you're you're look you're looking at you're looking at some players who are you're looking at this team having before they had maybe one or two players 
in the champion maybe well, in the champions league and now you have a player who won the champions league uh well but- no and but i'm i'm talking also about just you you went you go from two or three players that have that had like you know let's say by 25 they had you know 6 7 years of professional experience now you've got six or seven of them um, I mean, the amount of talent and just the amount of professionalization, I think that also has the effect of aging some of these players. People expect uh, Christian Pulisic's only, what, 22, 23? I mean, you're talking about he's not even at his prime yet, and and he has the pressure of being this team's this team's major talent. Same with Weston McKinney. Same with Tyler Adams. Same with all these guys. Same, Josh Sargent out there is night with 18, 19 still, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, this team won the trophy, and I'm pretty sure maybe only about uh, only about three or four players on that team could actually drink to celebrate that that victory. Um, I'll go back and do the math, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm at least not far off on that regard. So this is an incredibly young team that is still that is still learning uh, that is still learning a lot. Um, and I think I think particularly a lot of people are, sometimes get a little bit too harsh uh, on this team, and it's like they're expecting a finished product. Um, I think there's certain things you could get. I think John Brooks uh, was probably the best player of the whole tournament. Also, one of the more older players out mm-hmm. there. He was phenomenal in this game. Uh, Tim Ream was not. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, you look at uh, Serginio Des. He wasn't great, but he's young. So obviously, you got to hope he can maybe fit in fit in somewhere on this team. So, if you have me yeah. looking at buying a U.S. jersey, if you have me looking at when the next men's national team game is. By the way, uh, it's on the ninth. <laughs> they're playing Costa Rica as a, on a friendly. <laughs> Costa Rica in a friendly. Final. Yeah. So that's funny. Uh, then you know you've uh, you've rekindled the flame here, and I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a, that was an exciting game. So now they've got it. They've got to follow it up and keep keep playing. Then every game is not going to give give you all that craziness. But overall, uh, this is a, this is promising a promising development. And I promise, if they continue to be interesting, I will continue to allow Ted yeah. <laughs> to make me talk <laughs> about the U.S. Men's National Team on the show. And and I and I think I think you brought up I think you brought up an important point too, and I just, I just want to close out with this. I think th- this wasn't necessarily about necessarily how the team looked, you know, building up, build up play. It was more about just the the way they sort of battled back. They go down early. I think everybody was ready to sort of write them off. They they found a way back in. They tied the game. Then they go down again, and then they managed to come right back and score. And I think that was uh, that that's. Th- Weston McKinney's goal to tie it up, I think, is when you when I was like, okay, they could still lose this game. They could go to overtime, lose it on a last minute game. I am not unhappy with what I'm seeing right now. This is what we've been waiting for for probably about uh, about three four years now. Uh, a team that that looks like they want to be here, they want to fight, they want to they want to go out and and win. Um, and also, people brought up, you know, Greg. Greg, uh, people say that a lot of people, the players like like being under Greg. Uh, they they appreciate his his attention to detail and what he does, uh, so he has the players' backs, and that that's something that Jurgen Klinsmann very clearly lost, and 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 Bruce Arena can never really capture. Um, so I think that's been that's been an important thing that that should not go. That's an intangible that should not go, uh, not go unnoticed. So uh, a lot of fun, um, a lot a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch that game. A lot of good soccer. I think that's gonna that's gonna do it. Unless the, you got anything else you want to do. The away jersey is trash, right? That weird the, like the US, blue one. Yeah. The US away jersey? Yeah. Looks like I, it's I, got actually, like it looks I, like I a river. It. it looks like garbage. I saw a couple guys <laughs> in the stands had the blue Copa America jersey with the vertical stripes from like two thousand seven. That jersey is mm-hmm. sweet. I've been looking mm-hmm. to buy it on eBay for like uh, forever. And uh if anybody has a lead on one, let me know. But 
Uh, that jersey's trash and needs to be fixed. I and oh, I forget who said it. Somebody on Twitter was like, just a reminder how garbage the USA crest is, and uh, it is not very uh, it is not very imaginative to be sure. Uh, at least it doesn't I, have a soccer ball in it anymore. Which yeah, I believe it used I, to. So an improvement maybe, but I, I still I still contend. Yeah, and I think producer Brian said better than the old crest, much better than the old crest. Um, I, I'm not, I, I think it's I think it was a it was I saw it. And I'm like, oh, that's a solid a solid upgrade. Um, in my opinion. But the jersey uh, or the or the crest, the crest, the crest it's was better. a solid upgrade. It's better, but I think they could probably even do even. But look at this, I, John Hoffman, looking at the U.S. soccer shop and thinking about maybe making a purchase. <laughs> so how quick it how quick it can turn. But how go go turn. buy yourself go buy yourself uh, go buy yourself a Rose Lavelle jersey maybe too. Maybe that that'll be your way to to inch yourself back in. No, I no more Rose Lavelle jerseys. I, one was one is too many for me now. <laughs> well, she can't. It's not like she's going to go to Canada or something. She's cap tied to the U.S. So, I, I mean, that's a pretty safe age. I'm not getting a name on the back. That's that's my lesson learned here for the U.S. <laughs> I, I can't jinx any of our players. I'm sorry. Fair enough. All right, folks. Uh, I guess that's going to do it for the show. Uh, guys, patreon.com slash refugees, uh, twitter.com slash refugees, uh, we're refugees.com. Uh, John's, of course, we're always going to have good stuff to write about. Uh, we're going to work on doing that um, a little bit more. Might have some more time, too, now that we're, we're in the remote. Uh, we are going to have a interview uh, on Thursday that probably will come out on Friday uh, with Julian Gressel. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys uh, for our Friday show. Vamos. Vamos. Vamos.